Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the deterioration of Israel as we pick up in 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. So we turn now to 2 Chronicles chapter 28. We are now moving into the final stages of the deterioration of this nation prior to its destruction. Ahaz is now the king. He is 20 years old when he began to reign. And he is an extremely wicked person. And it is really during his reign that the kingdom sinks to a lower level spiritually than it ever has. And this begins the final downward trend. There are few respites. Hezekiah, his son, was a very good king. Manasseh, Hezekiah's son, was a wicked king. And then the son of Manasseh, Josiah, was again a very good king. But each time you get to the wicked kings, it seems like their wickedness is just a little deeper or greater than the previous ones. Now, among the things that Ahaz did was to walk in the ways of the kings of Israel in the north, establishing the worship of Baal, and in establishing the worship of Baal, caused his children to pass through the fire. Now, some people wonder why God ordered the extermination of the Canaanites when the children of Israel came into the land. And it seems a very cruel thing for God to order them to wipe out all of the inhabitants of that land as they moved in. And it has created great problems for some people. How could a God of love order the extermination of a whole race of people? But if you will get into the practices of their worship and you begin to study their whole cultural system, you will see why God ordered their extermination. Because they had come to a place of such depravity, even in their concepts and worship of God, that they would in time destroy themselves. One of the practices in the worship of Baal was to cause your children to pass through the fire, they would heat the little iron or stone images of Baal until they were glowing hot. And then the little images of Baal have always arms that are straight out from the body with the fingers turned up. And that was so that they could hold the infants. And these little images, when they would turn molten red, they would place then their little babies in the molten red arms of the image of Bel and sacrifice their babies unto Bel. And so this king, Ahaz, was actually guilty of causing his own children to pass through the fire. And uh, he got into all of the pagan practices uh, in their religious system, uh, forsaking the worship of the true and the living God, 
and following after the worship that was common in the nations that God ordered exterminated. God ordered to get rid of them completely because of their disobedience to God and their failure to utterly exterminate these nations. Gradually, the practices of these nations became uh, sort of inculcated into the life of the people of God and they polluted the people of God and ultimately caused the fall of God's people. So God was only seeking to protect them from this poison, this venom, in order that they might continue in the land and continue to serve the Lord. And it was their failure of obeying God that led to their ultimate downfall as they began to pick up the practices of the people round about. Now, as we are in this particular period of history, as we are dealing now with Ahaz and then subsequently Hezekiah, uh, this is about the time Hezekiah's reign. Ahaz only reigned for 16 years. Hezekiah was the time when Isaiah was the prophet of God. And you can go into the book of Isaiah and you can read how he speaks against those who had followed after the astrology and the stargazers and the progno monthly prognosticators and so forth. And, and he speaks of the things that they became involved with in false worship. As we move on, after Hezekiah, in uh, the period of Manasseh, it was Manasseh actually who ordered Isaiah the prophet sawed in two. Uh, he didn't want to hear any more of God's word. But God raised up another prophet during the time of Josiah, the prophet Jeremiah. And uh, Jeremiah is the prophet who, talking to the people at this period of history, he said, has there ever been such a thing before? that a people will turn from their God, which are no gods. In other words, those people that worship false gods won't turn away from their God. They'll continue to worship false gods generation after generation after generation. Of course, the reason is, is that in the worship of false gods, there is an appeal to the flesh. Thus, there is no spiritual struggle. To worship the true and the living God does create a conflict within. The moment I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, begin to serve the Lord, there is a conflict, an internal conflict that is set up within me, the flesh warring against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These two are contrary. This battle begins. But in worshiping the false gods, they are extremely appealing to the flesh, and thus there is no conflict set up, and thus people who worship false gods will continue in the worship of false gods from generation to generation. And so Jeremiah points out, that is there, have you ever seen such a thing? People will turn from their God, which really aren't gods. They're not even true gods, but people won't turn. They're very loyal to them. And yet God said, you have turned away from me. You have left me the fountain of living waters. Living waters is a running stream. You have left me the fountain of living waters and you have hewn out for yourself, carved out great 
caves that they carve out in the limestone over there in Israel in order that they might be water reservoirs. But they collect the water in the winter rains and then hold them through the summer season. But you know what water does that's collected in a cistern like that. It soon begins to get stagnant, the little wiggle tails and all in it. So cisterns can only really hold stagnant water at the best. But here you have forsaken me, God said, the fountain of living water, and you've cut out for yourself cisterns. You've followed now religious systems that really, and, but he said concerning their cisterns, they can't hold water. Every once in a while, they carve out a cistern, and there would be a, a fracture in the rock. So by the, you know, you set the whole thing up, and you pray for the rain, and then you've got the thing all designed, you've got all your little dikes built, and you direct all of the rain to the hole that you've put in the top of the cistern. And you watch the water running in down your dikes and in, and, and you hear it splashing, and you're all right, you know, this is great. And so you go out the next morning to draw a bucket of water out, and there's no water in it. Suddenly you've discovered after three years of picking away at this rock and carving out your cistern, there's a fracture in it somewhere, and it won't hold water. And so you use it for a tomb. And act, interestingly enough, there is a tomb on the Mount of Olives just below the Intercontinental Hotel that was originally a cistern, cut out for a cistern. Didn't hold water, so they used it for a tomb. So God's complaint against the people, you've turned from me. Ahaz, turn from God, followed the practices. Now, you see, in following these practices, in, in getting into these horrible, abominable practices. It was for these things that God brought his judgment upon these nations. And now his own people are following these same things. The reason why God ordered them exterminated is so that they would not infect his people with these practices. But their disobedience led to their infection, which led ultimately to their destruction. And so Ahaz an extremely wicked king. And because of his wickedness, there was a rapid deterioration of the strength of the kingdom. Verse 5, So the Lord delivered him into the hand of the king of Syria, and they smote him and carried away a great multitude of them captives, and he was brought with them to Damascus. And he was delivered into the hand of the king of Israel, who smote him with a great slaughter. That is the northern kingdom. And 120,000 of his men were killed in one day of battle. They were all very valiant men because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. And then the children of Israel carried away 200,000 of their brothers and their children and women as captives. But when they brought these captives unto, they were unto Israel, some of the old men of Israel said, hey, that you can't do. They are actually our brothers still, and you can't bring those of Judah uh, as slaves. They were going to make slaves out of them. And uh, some of the older men in the northern kingdom of Israel uh, spoke out against this, and so they brought the people back again 
uh, from that particular captivity. Now, in verse 16, the king sent to the, uh, Ahaz took money and, and sent to the king of Assyria uh, to come and help him because the Philistines had moved against him and took several of the cities. The Edomites moved against him and took several of the cities of the southern portion. The Philistines were taking the cities of the western portion. The Israelites were taking the cities from the northern portion. He was getting wiped out on every side. And so he sent for the king of Assyria to come and help him. And rather than helping him, he also just took his money and did nothing uh, to help him in his distress. Verse 19, For the Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, the king of Israel, for he made Judah naked and transgressed sore against the Lord. And Tilgath-Pilneser, the king of Assyria, came unto him and distressed him and would not help him. And in the time of his distress did he trespass yet more against the Lord. This is that King Ahaz. For he sacrificed unto the gods of Damascus, which smote him, and said, Because of the, of the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, therefore I'll sacrifice unto them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and all Israel. And so the reason for, of course, his problems, his forsaking of God, clearly declared. And in his distress, rather than turning to God, he just went deeper into the abominations, beginning to worship the gods of the Syrians, saying, well, because the Syrians wiped us out, their gods must be stronger than our God, and uh, began to worship them. And he and his practices became the ruin of the people that worship these false gods. Now, Ahaz died, and his son Hezekiah began to reign in his stead. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 29 years. Now, it is interesting to me that as wicked as was Ahaz, Hezekiah was a very good spiritual king. Perhaps he saw the folly of his father. Perhaps he saw what his father's reign had done for the nation. But it is interesting how that such an ungodly man as Ahaz could have a son as Hezekiah who was so spiritual. And Hezekiah began to reign, but Hezekiah was strongly influenced by Isaiah the prophet. And no doubt the relationship of Hezekiah and Isaiah is the reason why Hezekiah was such a good king. Now Hezekiah, when he began to reign, immediately sought to undo the blasphemous work of his father in the tearing down of all of these idols and images that his father had established and set up. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. 
In the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and he repaired them. And he brought in the priests and the Levites and he gathered them together in the east street. And he said, sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and have forsaken him and turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. And they have shut up the doors of the porch. They've put out the lamps and they have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, and to the hissing, as you see with your eyes. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. And it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, be not now negligent, talking to the priest. For the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, that you should minister unto him and burn incense. So here, the first thing that Hezekiah does is reestablish the worship of Jehovah. The temple had been shut. It would have been filled with just a lot of junk, filthiness, pollution. And the doors had been shut. They had not been offering the daily sacrifices. They had not been keeping the, the lights of the menorah lit. They had just forsaken the worship of Jehovah God completely during the reign of Ahaz. And it is Hezekiah's purpose to reestablish. Now, calling the priests together and saying, okay, now you fellas, sanctify yourselves. And let's get back it I, I'm determined to make a covenant to worship God and so Hezekiah was the instrument to forestall the judgment of God in the fact that he was turning the people back to the worship of God once again and so they gathered their brothers they sanctified themselves according to the commandment of Hezekiah by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. And the priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and they brought out all of the uncleanness that was found there in the temple of the Lord, and they carried it down to the brook Kidron and dumped it down there in the bottom of the valley. And they began the first day of the first month to sanctify, and on the eighth day of the month they came to the porch of the Lord and they sanctified the house of the Lord. So they started going through sanctifying everything. Now, there was a, a ritual by which things had to be sanctified and, and the purification rites. There was a whole ritual to it, and it took several days. And they would go one area at a time, sanctifying the Holy of Holies again, then sanctifying the holy place, sanctifying the table of showbread, sanctifying the altar of incense, sanctifying the uh, candles. And, and it took eight days, actually, to formulate the oil that was burned in the candles. Uh, getting so you'd have the sanctified oil to burn in the sanctified lamp and the whole thing. And uh, so uh, they, they started this process. And the first day of the first month, they began this process of sanctification. And it was coming, of course, now you're in the first month, you, you've got the great feast of the Passover coming up. But they didn't have time to get everything all set for the feast of the Passover in the first month. Now, there was a provision in the law of Moses 
that if a person could not observe the feast of the Passover in the 14th day of the first month, that he could do it on the 14th day of the second month. And so they determined that they would have the feast of the Passover once more. It is something that was, you know, back in their history. They hadn't done it for a long time. And they determined that they were going to start the feast again, that they would observe the feast of the Passover unto the Lord. And so they sent messages throughout all of the land, inviting the people to come to the feast of the Passover in the second month. And it is interesting that they even sent messages on up into the northern kingdom, into the areas of Samaria in the northern kingdom, inviting the people that they should come. And so there was this great celebration of the Feast of the Passover. They restored the worship of the temple and all. And then in chapter 30, we get the Passover. But in the restoration of the worship in the temple, verse 27, And Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offerings upon the altar. And when the burnt offerings began, the song of the Lord began also with the trumpets and with the instruments ordained by David, the king of Israel. Turn with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 2 Chronicles on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 2 Chronicles 28-29 through 29 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. God be with you and bless and keep you through the week. May the Lord strengthen you as the evil days are waxing worse and worse. As perilous times have come, may the Lord establish your life in Christ. May your faith increase in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today is pleased to present a flash drive of audio Bible studies by Kay Smith titled, A Collection of Cherished Messages. Just listen to what others are saying. Kay Smith changed my life. Her teachings encouraged me to want more of Jesus. And through her counsel and mentoring, I fell in love with Him in a deeper way. When I first heard Kay, I was driving in my car. I was so moved that it brought me to tears because I needed to repent. 
that moment impacted my life to be a better mom and who I am today. Renew your strength, please. I beg, I beseech, I entreat, and if there's any other word, I do that too. Get in his word. Make it more than your necessary food every day. Kay Smith has a special place in her heart to teach and encourage women to live for Jesus. To order this flash drive with over 90 audio messages by Kay Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.